he got all of that one. Got all of that one. Welcome to In the Rough, a podcast dedicated to golfing in the Treasure Valley and beyond. And beyond. In the Rough is presented by First Tee Idaho, providing accessibility and affordability to golf while teaching our youth respect, integrity, courtesy, perseverance, sportsmanship, honesty, judgment, responsibility, and confidence. First Tee Idaho, because golf is more than more a game. Than a game. Well, welcome to another edition of In the Rough. I'm Corey Michaels, along with the Executive Director of First Tee Idaho, Mr. Nick Blasius. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Corey. How are you? I, you know what? I'm wonderful. I'm always excited to get to talk about golf and hear about all the things that are going on with the junior golfers with First Tee. And I'm really excited for the guests that we have coming up here in just a little bit. So what's been going on with First Tee? You know, Corey, we have been just busier than ever uh i think i mentioned in our first episode we're going to have close to a thousand registrations this year with that's awesome and that's between our you know our first tee just regular golf program that we are at a lot of golf courses here in the treasure valley as well as chalice idaho and pocatello um you know big thanks to all the golf professionals and facilities here in the treasure valley that are supporting us and letting us operate our programming and it's been crazy it's been really busy you know we just wrapped up a couple weeks ago our partnership with Canyon County's Juvenile Probation Department. Uh, we teach a class with them every spring. We have upwards of 20 kids come to the program um, that mm-hmm. are all, you know, on probation out there in Canyon County. And we have a really cool deal worked out with them where if they have perfect attendance for the seven weeks on Friday nights, uh, those that have perfect attendance get their own set of golf clubs at our graduation ceremony and they get to keep them and hopefully continue to enjoy the game. That is cool. Uh, I was out there, you know, almost every Friday doing it. Craig Naylor, one of our coaches, has been leading this for years. And it is just such a fun experience being out there with them and really helping kids that have never had the opportunity to play the game of golf mm-hmm. really get their hands on a set of golf clubs and see what it's like. You know, it's really, it's really, really fun. So we just wrapped that up a couple of weeks ago. Just started uh, a new partnership with Ada County's uh, Juvenile Probation Department as well as another outfit called Game Changers Idaho. Um, that one I'm pretty excited about. I'm leading that class. It's with a gentleman. His name is Gabe Moreno. He started Game Changers, and his intention was to start a program that provided athletic opportunities for kids with disabilities. And yeah. it's been so fun. Big thanks to Quail Hollow for hosting us and letting us run yeah. that program out of their facility. Um, it's just it's great. You know, we love being in the heat of battle in the summer and just seeing lots of kids playing golf and get big smiles yeah. on their faces. That's why we do it. That that is awesome. Now, with the uh, with the probation, you know, department relationships, uh, is there any specific kids? You know, obviously no names or anything, right. but kids that you've seen that it really has made that big change in their lives yeah i mean i i think it'll be great to have craig naylor on this podcast eventually as a guest and craig has so many great stories to share that are really touching but uh i had one this year with a young man his family unfortunately lost their home and their business in the paradise california fires oh yes and he was quite the athlete down there in california uh he told me he was he was a swimmer big swimmer down there and came up to boise and um, has had a really hard time, just, you know, a lot of trauma from that situation. Of and, course. You know, yeah. unfortunately led to a little bit of trouble and 
you know, golf was really fun for him. I interacted with his mom and she said he's really, really enjoying this class. And it's the first time he's picked up a sport since moving up to Boise. So, you know, him and I had a really special bond and uh, I hope, I really hope he continues to learn the game of golf. I've made myself available just saying, Hey pal, you know, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Um, golf is not just a game. You know, we've talked about that before. Yes. It's fun to see these kids really get out of it. What, you know, so many, Mm -hmm. I had those experiences, right? And so it's so fun to see them enjoy it. All right. Well, what do we have, uh, what do we have coming up? So coming up, we've got, uh, we opened up registration a couple weeks ago for our fall classes that run in September. Um, that's going to be fun. We anticipate probably, you know, 200 to 225 kids for our fall classes. Um, on September 3rd, we have our big annual charity golf tournament, um, supporting our efforts within the community. We call that our swing for the kids event. We hosted at shadow Valley golf course every year. And, uh, last year we had a lot of people come out and support the program. And so we're looking to have that again this year and have it be a huge success. And then, you know, we've got some fun things in the fall. We've got, uh, we do a little night golf competition in October, get kids out there. We might have them do a costume party this year, do a best dress team maybe. And then we like to celebrate our kids at the end of the year in December with our circle of champions dinner. So some fun things that are coming up right now. We're in the the heat of battle, you know, uh, it's a lot of fun, which is, it's great seeing this program grow so much. I, it really is. And the more I have learned and, Having met Nick and getting ready for this podcast, I had, of course, heard of First Tee Idaho. I knew it was a program for junior golfers, for kids, but I've learned so, there's so much more, so many more layers to it than just that. Yeah. And it has been an honor for me to get to learn more and more about what First Tee does for our community and for our kids. And uh, I want to, again, just thank you. Yeah. And all the volunteers, all the people uh, that come out and donate their time and energy and talent uh, to be able to to continue that incredible tradition that is First Tee Idaho. It's really, really rewarding. Um, it takes a team, though, right? You know, oh, yeah. Many thanks to the board of directors, our our absolute rock star program director, Katie McKelvey. Um, she's just incredible. She is so good with the kids and the families and the parents and so many great lead coaches and volunteers and it's really fun. And I guess that kind of leads into our, our guest for today's episode. All right. So Nick, you want to introduce the, the, the guest this week? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for our second ever in the rough uh, podcast episode, we thought it'd be fun to Get another local on here. Um, this gentleman uh, grew up in Meridian. Um, really set set the way for a lot of other junior golfers around here. He uh, he took his golfing abilities to some new heights. Um, played at a pretty high collegiate level, and then ended up playing professionally for about five years. So it'll be fun to talk with him about uh, his background, how he got to where he did, and some, hear about some experiences along the way. And that individual is Mr. Joe Panzeri. Hey there. Thanks for having me, pal. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Joe. Absolutely. Um, so I guess just diving right in, just going back to how you got started with golf and, you know, how old were you and, you know, where'd you grow up in high school? Where'd you play golf growing up? Things like that. Yeah. Um, so born and raised kind of South Boise area. Um, got into golf at about 10 years old, kind of played every other sport growing up. Um, my dad took me out to the driving range at Boise Ranch, who lived about a half mile from Boise Ranch growing up. 
Um, took me out there, uh, just kind of fell in love with the game immediately right out of the gates, uh, which turned into basically Boise Ranch became a babysitter for me. Uh, <laughs> parents would buy me the little junior golf uh, pass for $99 each summer. Mom would drop me off at 8 a.m. Dad would either pick me up at 4 p.m. or come and play more golf. So pretty much a regular out there. I think I did the calculation with a buddy the other day. Probably played over a couple thousand rounds at Boise Ranch. So, <laughs> so you know uh, it like the back of your hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I know the golf course well. Um, played a lot out there. Uh, when I was able to, I got a job out there. So if I wasn't playing golf, I was working out there. Um Went to Meridian High for the first three years, and then when Mountain View opened up, was the first class to graduate from Mountain View, which was pretty fun. Yeah, very cool. Um, was fortunate enough to have pretty darn good teams at Meridian. Won three state championships as a team, and then finished second my senior year at uh, Mountain View. So nice. It was good. Loved loved uh, loved being raised in Boise. So when you were first growing up and you first started playing golf, what what was it about golf that really captured you and got you interested in the game? Um, I played a lot of team sports, which I enjoyed, but I loved the individuality of it. Um, and I like the creativeness of it. Uh, the fact that, uh, no swing is the same, no golf shot is the same, no course is the same, no conditions are the same. Uh, I kind of fell in love with the, just the art of the game. So, um, always wanted to learn, always wanted to get better. Uh, was the type of kid that would just go out by myself and practice. It's always fun when you're practicing with buddies, but I did enjoy doing it on my own too. So countless hours that uh i kind of shaped my golf game and i guess shaped me as a human too yeah so was there any, were there any golf professionals or anybody like that along the way that mentored you at that young age i mean how old were you when you started playing you said uh 10 10 okay 10, so yeah. were there any people that stepped in and said oh my gosh this joe panzeri he's got some he's got some raw talent how can we help <laughs> him and mentor him a little bit along the way uh, yeah, the, the crew out of Boise Ranch at the time, let's see, it was Chad Watson, who's still out there. A gentleman named Pat Rogers was out there. Uh, Mike Thornton, Arlen Earl, and I think Justin Snelling came in at the end. Those guys were great to me. Uh, they got to know me really well since I was basically out there every day. Um, and it's kind of started as I do putting and chipping contests against the pros and they kind of noticed that I had some talent and, you know, they'd all take me under the wing, go out and play 18 holes and play for a soda or something like that. So they were <clears throat> really good to me out there. Uh, as far as lessons, I didn't really get lessons at all. It was more of just go play golf type of deal. Um, but the crew out there, those four or five guys, uh, they were really good to me growing up. Uh, kind of let me do whatever I wanted um, as long as I wasn't being an idiot, <laughs> uh, which is tough sometimes. <laughs> uh but yeah, as far as lessons, I didn't really start getting lessons till, shoot, probably end of high school yeah. and started working with Jim Empey out of Quail. And then that was kind of pretty much about it. So I think that's a great part about golf and something I tell a lot of parents with their junior golfers. It's like, just get them out on the golf course. Let them go learn on their own and, you know, develop their own personality, if you will, on the golf course and what works for them and there's a lot of ways to do it, you know, and so it's, it's really good to just get that on-course experience. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, a lot of sports now, it's just so, I don't know, mechanically driven, and golf is more of a, in my opinion, kind of a, a sport that is more feel. And I, whenever I got too mechanical, game went south. So uh, I just love playing golf, and I think junior golfers, <clears throat> excuse me, can learn a lot just playing, just being out there on the golf course and learning how to hit shots. 
Yeah. So going back to those junior days, you know, you're starting to realize you're pretty good. Maybe some would say better than most. And uh, give me an experience where you traveled outside of Idaho to go take that ability on the road. I know that's kind of an eye-opening experience for a lot of junior golfers is, you know, they do really well locally and within the state. And then, you know, they go compete at a national level and it can be a little bit eye-opening. Did you have any experiences like that growing up? Yeah, um, obviously, uh, Boise is a small market for junior golfers. So if you're good here, how does that translate, right, on the national level? Uh, there was one year, I believe it was, well, my when I was 14, I had won the McCall Junior and qualified for the McCall Amateur event, the big one where um, all the really good players in the Valley go up and play. And I don't think a junior champion had ever won a match, and I was playing the defending champion. And, Who was that? <laughs> Josh Nagelman. Okay. And he was in college. I think he was 19. Or maybe he was second the year before, and then whoever defended couldn't play. But uh, played Josh, played good golf. I don't think he played his best, but I played pretty darn good for 14 years old, and my dad caddied for me. Um, and then I was able to win that and get all the way to the, the finals match and lost. Was one up with two to play and lost. But that wasn't traveling. That was kind of the first point where I was like, you know, I'm actually pretty darn good at this, and I can play with really good players. The The first national experience probably was one big summer. I qualified for Junior World and then represented the state of Idaho for uh, Junior America's Cup, Eddie Hogan Cup, and U.S. Junior. Wow. The USGA Junior. So uh, Junior World was an eye-opener. Uh, seeing college coaches for the first time falling around is pretty cool. Playing Torrey Pines was also a pretty awesome experience. Probably pretty nerve-wracking, too. Yeah, it sure was. I uh, played with a kid from Chile who spoke zero English, so that was a little tricky. First kind of experience with that. Um, didn't have a lot of success at Junior World, but then went on to finish second at Junior America's Cup. Got to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Junior and then won the Hogan Cup all in about a five-week span. Wow. So I was fortunate to where that kind of, that summer springed me into, it just kind of launched me into a different level as far as recruitment um, confidence. I mean, you know, as you know, game golf is a game of confidence. When you're playing good golf and you feel invincible, when you're playing bad golf, it can beat you up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so that was a pretty fun experience. That opened it up to where I started getting calls and letters, and it was pretty overwhelming, but uh, really cool to see all the hard work kind of come to fruition in one quick summer. So kind of this goes to the next portion of your golf career. Who were some of those colleges that were recruiting you out of Boise, Idaho? Um, so I was getting letters, um, so University of Washington, University of San Diego, University of Florida, uh, Iowa State, USC, UCLA, oh shoot, Washington State. Some pretty solid golf programs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're reaching out to Joe Panzeri in Boise, Idaho at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, pretty overwhelming seeing some of the letters come in and, and recognizing it's like, oh man, this is this is a pretty big deal to get some letters from University of Florida was the one that kind of caught me the most off guard because they don't really recruit west of the Mississippi much. Um, one of my regrets was canceling a recruiting trip to a Florida Tennessee <laughs> football game. <laughs> had that dialed in and had committed to UW and felt it was the right thing to do to cancel it, but uh, that would have been a pretty sweet trip to take. Yeah. So. so that leads in. So as you just said, you committed to University of Washington. You were going to go be a Husky. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? 
what made you decide on going up to Seattle and playing golf up there? Um, good question. Uh, I was heavily recruited by a couple others. University of San Diego was the top of the list as well. Um, and the coach at the time for uh, UW, who his name is Matt Thurman. He's now the head coach at ASU. Really good guy. Um, to be pretty blunt, he hard closed me pretty pretty good. Uh, I loved the program, loved everything it stood for. The opportunity to play Pac-10 golf was arguably the best conference in the country, so that was really intriguing. But I remember uh, the call that he made. I was standing in Boise Ranch's golf shop, and he called, and uh, he just said, hey, you know, this, I, I, this decision you're making is taking longer than I expected. When can I chat with you and your family? And I'm thinking, oh, maybe a week or so. And I said, I don't know. Um, you know, I'd like to chat soon. What are you thinking? He's like, how about tomorrow night? So he books a flight to our house, <laughs> into, <laughs> books a flight into Boise, comes to the house, I mean, rolled out a pretty darn intriguing and exciting opportunity with big scholarship. The team that they had was really good. Had another guy transferring in, James Lepp, who had had to sit out a year. He was the Big Ten freshman of the year. He was going to be a junior. Had a lot of talent. And uh, just the opportunity, like I said, to play Pac-10 golf was huge. So decided to to go up to Seattle. Uh, had a lot of really good buddies. Loved it up there. Um, was expected to do big things. And... Uh, I wouldn't say that I lived up to my full potential. Um, a little bit on just kind of a tough transition, uh, leaving small town Boise, going to a big university, but uh, definitely had a lot of fun up there. Well, at that point in your career, you were progressing rather quickly, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's not, you, you say you had big expectations, but, you know, I'm sure you still succeeded in a lot of ways. You just weren't growing as fast as you were for the previous years leading up to that. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, that's probably a, a fair statement. Um, recruited in to, to be kind of top three right out of the gates as a freshman is a lot. Um, had high expectations of myself. Um, wanted to live up those expectations. Not like I, I didn't play poorly. I still traveled quite a bit. And my freshman year, we won Pac-10s, um, which I was a part of the team. And then we got third at Nationals, and I finished third on the team out of five at Nationals. Third or fourth, I think. I don't recall, but traveled as a freshman. So still a lot of success, but you could all, you always want to, I mean, the competitiveness and you always wants to be the best and, and be better. So it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I always wanted to be the best you can be type of deal. How was that transition of moving to Seattle, being on your own, right? I mean, that's a big step in a 17, 18 year old's life, right? Not to mention all the expectations to compete at, athletically but you know just being a human you know and yeah. <laughs> taking that first big step yeah uh it's a lot going to seattle big university at uw uh, i think they had forty thousand students or so wow you go into an auditorium where it seats it's got double decker seating 700 students um not taking attendance was a struggle for me <laughs> uh as far as you know just kind of rolling out of bed and uh Focus was golf, Go to, going to practice, getting that done. Long story short, grades ended up being important, too, at some point, so I had to refocus on that. <laughs> Not only making birdies, yeah. but making good grades. <laughs> yeah, so that was a learning curve, trying to be on your own. Uh, but uh, like you said, I mean, 17, 18 years old, moving out, being on your own, being in a dorm, own responsibility, kind of trying to manage your time and stuff, that's a big learning curve. Um, not just being a student, but also, 
I mean, golf travels more than any other sport in collegiate athletics. Um, so, and we're the only sport basically that leaves the, the campus to practice, right? I mean, we're driving to different courses every day of the week and on the weekends you're practicing. We practice in Auburn, Washington at Washington National, which is 50 minutes away. So it was uh, quite the learning t- curve. Took a little bit of time for me to get used to it. but uh, Time management. <laughs> yeah. What's that at 18? Uh, <laughs> but it was a ton of fun and uh, had a, a lot of really good buddies on the team. We were pretty fortunate to where everybody got along pretty darn good and had a lot of fun together. So then you eventually transferred to San Diego um, to go play golf down there. Was that your junior and senior year? Yep. Yeah. Transferred out. Um Finished my junior, senior year at University of San Diego, um, which was kind of the number two when I was trying to decide where I was going to land. Um, and uh, quite a different university in and of itself and city, right? Seattle's, I mean, both are big, but Seattle's cold and wet. And yeah. San Diego's pretty darn good with weather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, small university, though, um, private Catholic school, same conferences like Gonzaga, um, Santa Clara, Pepperdine, so West Coast Conference stuff, only maybe 5,000 undergrads. Um, took attendance, so that was good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Grades got a lot better, uh, and uh, I, I loved San Diego a lot. It was, a, it was different than Seattle, um, but a ton of fun. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but what was your major in school? Communications. Communications, yeah. cool. So you do well at the collegiate level, finish out at San Diego, get done, move back to Boise right after San Diego. Yeah. When I finished school, everybody asked why I was leaving San Diego and the straight answer is I couldn't afford it. Yeah. I couldn't afford to stay in San Diego. So (laughs) Boise, Boise was home, had to, had to head home and kind of regroup. Came back to Boise, uh, started working at the country clubs around here immediately or? No, uh, actually my senior year, I broke my hand and was kind of toast the last semester of my senior year. Um, didn't love golf very much. So actually quit for a year, got a job as a personal trainer at gold gym. Okay. And, uh, saw buddy get his tour card on, uh, through Q school. And I was at the gym training and I was like, what are you doing, man? You gotta, you gotta give it a go. So that's when Who I kind of they got through. It cards. was Tyler Aldridge. Okay, yeah. So we we grew up playing against each other for years, and Tyler had you know he was an excellent junior golfer, won some big events, a uh, ton of talent. Um, but to see a guy you competed against get their card and you're not really giving it a go, it kind of kind of gave my head a shake and wanted to give it a go. So sparked a fire, if you will, a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I think like three days later, I ca- called Ron Rawls at Crane Creek and he had gone to high school with my parents. I knew Ron well. And I just said, Hey, can I, are you hiring? He's like, yeah, whatever you want. So gave me a job in the shop there at Crane Creek, worked there for a year, tried to save up some money, go to Canadian tour Q school on my own. The members out there helped a bit, which was awesome as well. They're a really good group of membership out there that helped me. Um, and then the following year, my buddy Adam Martins got the, the head head professional job at Spurwing and brought me out as an assistant and was playing pro-ams, um, representing Spurwing, a bunch of members out there, another great group of membership. And uh, I played well quite a bit <laughs> and uh, was able, I was saving money on my own to, to go to Q school. I think I had eleven dollars or $12,000 saved up, which to me, it's time 
felt like a ton. Um, had a had a great member there ask why I wasn't playing professionally. Told him as financially is just too much, and basically took me under his wing and gave me whatever I needed. So going back to the clubs and working as an assistant pro, that was your first taste of competition after college again. Mm-hmm. And obviously you did well. The other day you and I were talking, you told me a brief story about Twin Falls Muni golf course for Corey. It's a par 68, short little golf course, but pretty, uh-huh. pretty tough, right? And Joe was telling me that, uh, you know, the conditions weren't great that day. It was windy. It was cold. And <laughs> He yeah. just so happened to shoot a smooth little 61. And uh, I think at that point you were playing with the gentleman that was going to help you out? Uh, not quite. I was playing with some other members, but I think word got out pretty quick that I had <laughs> won by seven or eight that day and uh, it kind of propelled into the opportunity to play with some other guys. But um, that was a fun day for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> and then so you get the – you get the fire lit again and you're like, okay, I'm going to go back out here and play professionally. And did you first target the Canadian tour at the time? Is that where you wanted to go? Yeah, it was. Um, I had picked the brain of grand Graham Dillette a lot. Uh, he was playing, he had just finished and got, I think he'd been on the PJ tour for a few years at this time. And he was uh, really helpful to me just kind of talking me through gearing up for that. And then Ryan Hightala, I talked to Ryan a lot as well, who played out there for years and years. Um, mainly focused on the Canadian tour right out of the gates. Um, and I think it took me to first, first try, didn't get through, missed by a shot to get my card. Second try, and I, at that time I was still working full-time and realized it's just, it's too hard to compete if you're working full-time and guys are playing full-time. Definitely at that level. Yeah, so I was fortunate to find a gentleman who who was, you know, gracious enough to sponsor me and basically uh, let me pursue my dreams. And second time I went through, uh, I think I finished second or third at Q School. Was able to get good status there, and then um, was able to travel full time, which was huge. And uh, not worry about finances, which is takes a huge weight off your shoulders. Um, had some success right out of the gates up in Canada. My first year had a win and then qualified for my first PJ Tour event as well. I think in my my third or fourth, right after my third or fourth event, which was cool. Which event was that? Uh, qualified for the RBC Canadian Open. Very cool. They did a one-day qualifier at Point Grey, and I think it was 130 guys first. Uh, wh- whoever wins gets in. And wow. I tied for first and sat around for hours to a playoff and was fortunate enough to get through there, and it, I think I'd only been pro for, been playing professionally for four or five months. Gosh, how eye-opening <laughs> was that, you know, yeah. going to play in the RBC Canadian Open, a PGA Tour event, the, that country's national open. Yeah. Right? Who'd you get paired with? Two Canadians. I played with uh, Chris Barilla, and I forget the other gentleman's name, but we had a big following. I mean, Canadians love golf. They love other Canadians. And they love their national open. So it was pretty eye-opening. We played at Shaughnessy. The golf course was set up really tough. Um, I think four under one. Wow. And only four or five guys finished under par. Um, I shot 70. It was par 70. Shot 71 the first day. and was, I think, top 25. I remember birdieing the second day, my eighth hole. I looked over at the leaderboard, and I was like T11. And then I can... uh, didn't play so hot after that. Yeah. I missed the cut by one or two. But uh, it was it was quite the experience. I remember I had a good buddy caddy for me. And the first hole is like a dog leg left off the tee ball. And then the second shot has to be a, a fade with kind of a longer iron. And I wanted to hit three wood. 
And my caddy's like, no chance. He's like, we need to get the ball as far away from the ground as possible with the biggest head you got in your bag. Because my hand was shaking so much trying to tee it up. I bet. <laughs> so it was, a, it was an awesome experience and kind of gives you that taste that you've been working for. How big of a step up is that going from the Canadian tour to a PGA tour event? I know the Canadian tour, I mean, it's still a great professional tour, you know, but what was the biggest difference in your eyes when you first put a tee in the ground for that PGA tour event? I would say the preparation that those guys go through on the PGA tour. I mean, it's a job when you're on the Canadian tour, right? But it's a different level of professionalism, different level of the way guys carry themselves, um, the way they prepare for events. It's not just go out and hit some balls and putt and chip and stuff. And they've got, I mean, it's almost like time management, right? They're going to do X for this long. They're going to putt for an hour. They're going to get hit these shots for an hour. They're going to go play nine holes, take notes with their caddy. Um, it, uh, it, it was pretty eye-opening in the fact that it was a job for those guys, yeah. um, which is why they're the best at what they do, right? Is uh, It's still fun for them, but it is a whole nother level of seriousness, I guess you would say. So with First Tee, Corey, right, we've got our nine core values, um, and I just want to spotlight one, perseverance. So you're at the Canadian yeah. Tour Championship. Which year Was this your third year on the Canadian Tour? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I think it was third year. Yep. So third year, Canadian Tour Championship. You're in the second to last group. Mm. You turn in your scorecard. You've got a one-shot lead with one group behind you. I don't recall this memory. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you're signing your scorecard. One group left on the golf course. You're thinking maybe a playoff. Mm -hmm. And what yeah. happens? I had played so good that week. I just made a lot of bogeys and... Uh, Signing the card with a one-shot lead, my back's to the 18th green and 18th hole at this golf course uphill. It's much like uh, kind of Hillcrest is hole nine. Players can't see the green, right? You can see the pin, half the pin, but you can't see the, the green itself. And the one guy in the group behind me that could tie one shot behind hoops a nine iron from 155 or so, 160. And I didn't see it. I just heard everybody kind of yell uh, early yell and then a big kind of roar and the people on the scoring tent just said hey he made it I was like in the hole and like yeah it's like oh man so signed the card went from a one-shot lead to finishing second by a shot from a hold nine iron golf Corey oh, such a yes. cruel cruel game yes <laughs> every time we've talked about that story I'm just always like wow that has to be just so difficult, especially when you're working so hard at your game and have something to happen like that. That's really out of your hands, right? It's totally out of your control, but, you know, to stay in high spirits after a situation like that had to be tough. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You can only control so much. I had every opportunity to win by quite a bit that week. I think I had 28 or 29 under par holes, and I only finished 13 under, so it is what it is. But that's golf in a nutshell, right? Right when yeah. you think you got it dialed in and Somebody holds a nine iron on you. <laughs> I don't know if you'll remember this, but uh, several years ago, you got a, was it a sponsor's exemption into the Albertsons Boise Open? Or did you qualify uh, for that? I had Monday qualified once and then got a sponsor's exemption once as well. So a few years ago, my wife and I were following around Joe Panzeri, the local, playing in uh, the Albertsons Boise Open. It was so cool just seeing you out there, just somebody that grew up around here. And gosh, yeah. you had such a big following that day. And you know, we weren't really friends at the time, but it was just so neat to see you have that experience. And 
be able to do it in your the town you grew up in and mm-hmm. was that pretty cool for you yeah that was a ton of fun you know growing up here having seen guys come through Hillcrest and the Boise Open I mean I think it's been on the tour since it started one of the only original events to have the I mean you played the dropping there growing up when it was a Hillcrest and just the dream to play in that event uh, especially in front of family and friends and stuff when I had gotten the call that I got the exemption it was it was really exciting felt very fortunate and humbled to get that exemption and uh played good on my front nine I think I shot six under on my first nine holes Whoa. and uh it was uh, quite the experience. A bunch of friends, family rooting you on. It was pretty awesome. That's super cool. Played professionally for several years. Gave it a real great effort, I'd say. Um, and now you've transitioned outside of that. You know, you're now working in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, how has golf and your history with golf and your experiences playing out there on the tour and in college and as a junior golfer, how has that benefited you in your career as a real estate agent? Yeah, good question. I think golf uh, is a sport that teaches a lot of responsibility, respect, a lot of really good attributes uh, that you learn as a junior golfer growing up uh, that I think can translate into the workforce moving forward. Um, Traveling full-time, being able to manage your time, being able to know what you need to get done to get prepared, I think helped transition me into a, a, a good real estate career and the fact that there's nobody that's going to hold your hand and do it for you type of deal. You kind of get out of it what you put into it. And I think that's a lot like golf is everybody says they're going to do it and everybody says they're going to do this and that. But at the end of the day, it's either do or you don't type of thing. And I think uh, golf instilled that in me um, moving forward. Just you kind of got to do the work behind the scenes when nobody's watching to get it done um, in front of everyone. Yeah, that's definitely something we really, you know, talk about with our students for first tee classes that you're now volunteering for right Mm -hmm. I don't think our kids in our first tee class that you and I are teaching together understand the type of uh, instruction they're getting from Mr. (laughs) Joe Panzeri but um, you know that's something we really talk about is how so many things you learn on the golf course as a junior golfer can really benefit you in school and in life and your careers and I think that's just such a great thing about the game that the first tee really focuses on Um, so First off, thank you so much for being here today, taking time out of your schedule just to come chat with us and give us your background and such a great story. Um, But we're going to try something new for this episode. We're going to add in a little segment here in the end. We're just going to call it some quick up and downs. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a few questions, um, pretty simple, and just quick responses. You ready? Sure. First off, favorite club in the bag? Uh, probably eight iron, which seems Why? weird. Uh, it's a club that I feel like I can hit almost any shot with at a, di- a specific distance and get it in my hand. It just looks so nice. Looking I love down that. On it. <laughs> <laughs> just looks nice. He says, all right, next question. Favorite nine core value. I would say probably integrity. I think that, uh, is a really important value when it comes to anything in life, having integrity and doing the right thing, even maybe when it's not the most popular thing to do, um, I think can take you a long ways in, in a lot of things. I love that. Okay, three, favorite golf course in Idaho? Oh, man. Um, I'd probably say Hillcrest. It's just got a lot of fond memories there with the dropping and playing in the Boise Open there. And it's uh, I just like that golf course a lot. That's a great one. Okay, four, favorite golf course outside of Idaho? Oh, um, two come to mind. First of which is probably Pebble Beach. 
Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty self-explanatory. Uh, second is Atlanta athletic club, the Highlands, uh, golf course. They got 36 there and, uh, I played the U S junior there and got to know some members and they've invited me back. And it's just a really phenomenal golf course that's hosted some majors and it's just, has a lot of fun memories. I have a lot of fun memories there too. They hosted the PGA Championship when Keegan Bradley won, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is a that's a tough golf course. It's a really tough golf course. <laughs> it's fun though. All right, last one. Best shot you've ever hit and some quick details around it. Best shot is probably a two-part deal. My second win up in Canada is a par 5. I think I had like 240 in over water. Hit hybrid right over the top of the flag. Uh, probably 35 feet past and then made the putt for Eagle to take the lead in the event by two. So that was, uh, got the juices flowing yeah. and kind of helped me get it home after that. But that's, that's probably the most, uh, the one that I remember the most when I was playing full time. It's always great to hit the good shot, but there's nothing better than making the putt right after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You always, I mean, the good shot's great, but if you hit it close and then you don't capitalize, it's, What's it good for? Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> Gives me goosebumps just talking about it. Yeah. Well, Joe, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate all you do. Uh, I know you've been the co-president for the Idaho Junior Golf Foundation for the past several years now. So you're doing a lot for the game of golf in Idaho and really giving back, which is so cool. And I commend you. Thanks for volunteering your time with First Tee Idaho as well. Um, just really appreciate you. And thanks for what you do for golf in Idaho. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on and keep up the good work. I know you guys are kicking butt with the first tee and I appreciate you including me. Thanks, Joe. Well, it was great having Joe on and and hearing the stories and that evolution from being a kid here in Idaho and then going all the way to the tour. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun having him in here. Yeah, I really feel like Joe uh, set the way for a lot of young kids around here, you know, that looked up to him as a mentor and realized, I can take my game on the road too, you know, so... I mean, in the past several years, we've had kids leave Boise that are going to Auburn and, you know, Iowa State and Texas A&M, some big programs coming out of Boise, Idaho. And it's really cool to see the golf programs and the community programs for golf just really continue to develop. Many thanks to all the golf professionals around here that really mentor these young people and make them realize that this is a reality. You know, you can Mm -hmm. you can take your show on the road and maybe make it on one of the tours one day, you know, so... It's really cool. Uh, Troy Merritt, he's a local. He's an Idahoan. He was just in a playoff a couple weeks ago in the uh, on the PGA Tour. So it's great. Uh, Joe is a fine example of the people that Idaho's breeding for golf, and uh, we're just so thankful for him being on the podcast today. And all of the information, the links, whether it is about First Tee or maybe you need to buy or sell a house and need to get a hold of Joe. <laughs> All of his information in the description here with the podcast. And I I think our, our next episode, we're really going to get to the heart of what First Tee is. Yeah, we're excited in our next episode to uh, bring, a, bring a junior on here. Bring one of our young people that's been involved with the program for years now um, on here and have them talk about their experiences and what First Tee means to them before they take that next step. He's actually headed off to college next year. So, you know, hopefully First Tees help prepare him for what college is going to be and kind of like what Mr. Panzeri was talking about earlier on the podcast. So I think it'll be great. It'll be fun to have him on. Yes, it will. And we look forward to having you be a part of the next episode of In the Rough.